Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. Here in the studio tonight, it's Ian. And Bonnie. We're going to start with Ricky in the Commonwealth of PA. Ricky, you're on Free Talk Live. Thank you there, Brother Ian. Good evening there, Sister Bonnie. Hello. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Well, something I think you'll find very interesting. My predictions for 2024. Oh, okay. Um, isn't it a little early for 2024? I mean, it's just starting into Not 2023. Not time, and that's what's very sad, Brother Ian. What do you mean? And these are facts. No opinions here, no partisan crap. I know I'm a liberal, but it's not here. Anyway, here's what it comes down to. We'll start with the House of Representatives. Oh, you're talking about politics. Okay. I, I thought you yeah. meant, like, meaningful stuff, like, you know, like an earthquake or, you know, some sort of comet's oh, going to crash. Had that in Turkey and Iran. You know, we lost thousands of people. So. Well, I mean, yeah, there's earthquakes that happen all the time all around the planet. But, yeah, there was a pretty big one, I guess, recently in, in Turkey, apparently. Well, I didn't even hear about it. But, no, you're going to be talking about... Um, uh, you know, politics. Okay. Try to keep right. this interesting. First of all, the house, I'm going to talk about the house and then I'm going to talk about the presidency for 2024. The house is real simple. The federal government's house of representatives. Yes. Yes. The U S house. Okay. Now, in, Go the ahead. Case of, in the case of the house of representatives, that's very easy. Uh, the Democrats are going to get a majority in 2024. And here's my reasons why. Very simple. Uh, in the case of this, uh, very poor showing, number one, in the midterms. Uh, these guys haven't learned anything. Who had, a, who had that, a poor show, showing? You're saying the Democrats had a poor showing? The Republicans did. The Republicans had a poor okay. showing. Okay. Yeah, they only gained nine seats in the House with a four-seat majority. It was pretty pathetic. And they lost every major race for just about everything else, you know? But I, they don't, honestly, I, don't I honestly don't know either. I don't yeah. pay attention to this crap at all. My dad was like, put uh, in the group chat, he was like, put in your bets for who's going to gain the most houses and i was like i don't care whoever wins we lose so it really doesn't matter who quote unquote wins well, if I may, in 2024 Reed. go ahead well if i may okay but what it comes down to is the reason why i can make this prediction is everything's already set in stone pretty much reason why is because not only are they not changing things but not only that they're doing the same crap but even more importantly uh, the current speaker, uh, McCarthy, he basically sold his soul bargaining for votes, which he did. So he basically already they didn't have a soul up. going into it, Ricky. These are psychopaths. Uh, no, he didn't. He, They're yeah, politicians. Yeah, they, he's, he's, a sp- he's a spineless jackass. All of them are the same. And I don't know how it is people haven't yet figured this out. After decades and decades of them not doing anything different, you said they're not doing anything different. Well, that's what they do. Isn't that the definition of a conservative anyway? Like, they don't want anything to change. We can't have anything change. We have to conserve this crappy crap hole. Technically, yes. All right, get get to your presidential prediction because we got to move on. Okay, well, screw the House. They're going to lose anyways. Now, the presidential uh, prediction is the most fascinating. Okay. Now, let me guess. You're going to predict the Democrat will win. We don't even know who's going to bring it. But I have a reason why. Okay, why? I have a reason why I predict that. Uh, now, the current demographic for people running for president, uh, on the Republican side, you have Donald J. Trump. You mean over 78 like, years old, that demographic? Correct. Uh-huh. Uh, then you also have, it looks like, uh, Governor Nikki Haley. 
And that's important, and I'll tell you why. Wait, wait, wait just to and clarify, is that, who is Nikki Haley, uh, Ricky? Is she a Republican? I believe she, was governor, I believe she was governor of South Carolina. Is she a Democrat or a Republican? Republican. Okay, you're saying you that's think why I'm she, talking about the I'm talking about the Republicans right here. You're saying you think she's going to run as a Republican candidate? Absolutely. Okay, and it looks that way. Well, why like, should anyone care? Ninety-five percent. Why should anyone huh? care about this? Why do you care so much about this? Because Ian, when it comes down to it, you could say you don't care, but ultimately these are the people running the country. So something's going to happen. No, they're not running the country. They're running the government. Jeremy Kaufman is with us here, calling us from some subway or taxi or something like that. Uh, where are you at? Uh, you at down in New York City right now? Uh, I am. I am in a proper car, though. So, and I'm just here with a friend of mine. So, hopefully, the audio will be okay. All right. Well, welcome back. Sounds good. I, I appreciate you uh, coming back on here to talk a little bit further, a little deeper about the situation with library and cryptocurrency and tokens and the sec going after everybody they can possibly go after it seems like we spent most of the time that you were on last week just kind of discussing the evil uh, of the sec their their tyranny their oppression against not just library but various other crypto developers and uh and so you know we didn't really have that much of a chance to talk about what's happening now uh, now that the SEC has sued Library, but you know, let's get uh, real quick the I don't know the, the elevator pitch on what Library is. We've certainly told our listeners countless times over the last several years since uh, we started posting to Library. We've been putting our video archives up there since I don't know 2016, somewhere in there 2017. And uh, but since you're here, I figure you'd do a good job of it. So what is Library? Yeah, you are one of the uh, one of the earliest users, and and I appreciate that. Uh, so library is a, a blockchain-based way of publishing content. We like to say it does the publishing what Bitcoin does to money. Uh, and so the idea is you can own your uh, identity, you can have control over your content, and you can have a direct relationship with the people who are um, interacting with that uh, content. So kind of disintermediating that, that whole thing. So removing mm-hmm. the censorship points and, and all of that. Um, most people use it through a website uh, uh, called uh, Odyssey. Uh, O-D-Y-S-E dot com. And uh, that's used by more than 10 million people each month wow. uh, uh, to watch videos. Um, and uh, we've also uh, been embroiled uh, in a lawsuit with the SEC for for five years. Yeah. yeah. Um, in fact, actually, we learned today, I was worried we might not hit the five-year anniversary because I've been really, you know, having a nice relationship with these people. But <laughs> the judge, thankfully, today, uh, gave the SEC even more time uh, and granted even more discovery requests. Yeah. So I think we're going to make it to the five-year anniversary. Yeah, I saw the order uh, that came out today on the PACER system, which is the government's filing system that people can pay to access. Uh, but luckily, it's all also up on Court Listener thanks to the recap plugin. For anybody that ever goes to PACER, y'all need to install the recap plugin if you haven't yet for your browsers. That way you don't have to keep paying for documents that somebody else has already downloaded. It's a pretty pretty sweet system so definitely check that out uh but i did see the order and basically the the judge is ordering more discovery and then more time to jump through all these hoops it's quote unquote expedited but according to the numbers that i kind of added up in my head as i was going through the order it seems like it's going to be at least three more months before any quote unquote final uh decision is made in this in this matter more time and more money yeah that's right yeah so the the expedite i mean in the, in the expedited process uh, in that time period, I've had four children, 
all with the same person, by the way. So, so that's, <laughs> otherwise, that's not as impressive. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that, that's how long it takes. And, you know, the funny thing is, is I mean, and this is the real problem with all this. Um, you know, the issue before the court is very narrow. Uh, and the SEC wants the public to believe, uh, and all of their activity and behavior is, anyone who interacts with the library token is a criminal. Um, and the judge clearly doesn't believe it. The judge believes, uh, well, you know, I think he's done some bad things. The judge believes, you know, narrowly that my company violated the law when it sold tokens in certain ways. Uh, but the judge wants Odyssey to live. He wants the token to be unencumbered legally, which is the exact opposite of what the SEC wants. Mm -hmm. uh, the SEC is trying to create as much uncertainty um, and, and um, uncomfort, lack of comfort as possible. And, you know, the the judge gets it, uh, but he's just going to he's it's, he's given every indication that he's, he's just going to let him do it, probably. So wait, wait, wait hold he's going to let him let him do what? merge Odyssey well, into him, this. In the, no, well, he uh, no, I don't think the judge is going to issue an injunction against Odyssey. I think the judge is going to be very clear that he's only ruling on this specific narrow issue. But that's not the problem. The problem is that, right, the SEC has given a signal that they don't like us. Mm -hmm. I mean, even you have SEC officials on Twitter talking about how they're going to keep coming after us because mm. we were honest about what they did and shared pictures about what they did. And you have SEC officials saying, oh, we're going to get you harder because you wow. did that. Open. Wow. I mean, they just say it openly. You're public so, servants. Yeah. They weren't saying that you guys were marketing this as an investment. They were just saying because you guys had what they call in the world of crypto a pre-mine, meaning that when the library blockchain went on, uh, went on online, uh, that you guys mined first before anybody else were able to get in. And you got basically, you know, you got a good chunk of library uh, tokens that you kind of socked away and you were going to use to market the the business and market the t the protocol and kind of give them away to people and, and these these sorts of things and, and sell some of them right I mean that that was what the point of that was that uh, that's completely true although in the judge's ruling it's not clear that they even need to be pre mined the huh. logic he appears to have created is if you own enough of an asset he of course there's no numerical threshold right just arbitrary not, uh, yeah yeah so, you know so who knows so we now know based off of this ruling that if you sell it if you sell you know, we, for example, he found that a sale of $20 to someone on odyssey.com who there's clear evidence, you know, who directly used that in a consumptive way, that that's still a securities offering merely because the parent company of, of Odyssey, which is library, owns 8% of the assets and a theoretical objective investor would know that and, and, be, and could theoretically be buying it because they think it's going to go up. And so all sales, it doesn't matter if you have objective evidence that some sales, even those sales are still securities offered. It's so the only, yeah. So you, we now, uh, now based off of the judge's logic, and this is what we've been pushing for. Well, okay, we'll get rid of all of our tokens. And this is the craziest part is I was in the SEC's office in, in uh, 2018, 2019. I said, I'll change anything. If the pre-mine makes a security, I said, I'll destroy the pre-mine. What I want mm -hmm. is the same status as Bitcoin. That's all I want. Tell if like, you know, just logically, if this other token has this status, there should be a path to achieving it. Uh, they, they weren't interested in that, right? Mm -hmm. they, they say, well, it's a security. There's nothing you can do to change that. Um, now, the judge did appear to disagree with that. The judge appears to think that it's not a security after we destroy the pre-mine. Mm -hmm. But the problem is that's not before the court. So all that's before the court is the SEC saying this specific action is illegal. And the SEC is begging the judge not to give any of these other comments on the record. Um, and you know what? The judge is probably not going to do it. So we'll see what comes out. But we're trying to get the judge to do it. 
uh, the SEC is trying to get him not to because the judge has given every indication and in thinks he said verbally in court that he doesn't think it's a security, um, you know, after the pre-mine isn't there. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that only when we sell it's a security. If you sell it, Ian, right. it shouldn't be one. Right. Yeah, he did say that um, clearly at the hearing last week. He said that he intended to um, make clarification on that in whatever the next written but order. He's or... not, what he's what he's not going to do is he's not going to say that when you sell it, it's not a security. He's just not going to. What mm-hmm. he's going to say is, to be clear, I'm only ruling that when library did this, they broke the law. And I'm I not see. ruling anything else. Mm-hmm. Right? Wow. And that's just, I'm worried that that's not going to be enough. No, it probably won't. Because like you said, people are deathly afraid, understandably, of this particular uh, gang of thugs. They have destroyed library. Your company is in complete shambles. You said during the hearing uh, last week that no one at library has been paid since early December. People are already, you know, they're leaving. They, you know, they're not getting paychecks. Some people aren't going to stay on, right? Like that's, it's over. And they're they're moving on. They're trying to find other jobs. But yet now they're coming in and saying, okay, well, now that you have no more paid employees and you've already spent all this money trying to comply with our discovery requests, here's some more that we're gonna we're gonna demand of you. So this is basically, are, are you gonna have to fulfill this personally because there's no one left? Yeah, probably. Yeah. What's another way that people can support? odyssey uh jeremy because you know it you guys need some help right now right like this has been a, a tremendously detriment. no i mean odyssey it's uh library is going to die as yeah. far as a corporation is concerned but but odyssey could still survive this uh, we know the uh, the sec's trying to destroy them too um we don't know what the, the how the chips are going to fall on this but uh meanwhile people can donate directly to odyssey correct isn't there a, a premium subscription available there that's right. So you can also get a membership on Odyssey itself, and that will you know turn off ads and, and give you some additional features and a badge and some other stuff. And it's very helpful to us. Uh, you know, any any membership here is very helpful to us. And uh, yeah, as you said, they can uh, they can support you uh, through recurring donations uh, to you. And Odyssey is taking you know less of a cut than than any of those um, uh, other you know other platforms out there. And actually, hopefully, you're part of the reason. Odyssey, you know, Odyssey needed clarity on how it can interact with crypto, right? We didn't want to create, we were trying to have Odyssey be, you know, very, you know, clean so that, that you know, and, and we can find out what's allowed and Odyssey will have, um, you know, not have that, uh, that original sin uh, mm-hmm. coming from, from library. Uh, let me ask you some more questions about this case. Uh, are you guys planning to appeal? Is that something you can talk about right now? Uh, I think I think we're probably not going to appeal. There's just no money. Uh, plus, right. it's like another you know, it's another three three years, mm-hmm. you know, or five years or whatever. So, yeah, and of course, if you do appeal, then and then you lose, it just sets more uh, a higher level precedent mm-hmm. in that case. So it's not always a it's not always a good thing, you know, to uh, to go in that direction. Uh, of course, the case isn't uh, isn't quite done yet. They're still trying to decide the so called disgorgement, which is just as ugly of an action as the uh, the word sounds basically pulling out any kind of value or any kind of life that may remain in library which as you've pointed out to the court at this point the company is essentially bankrupt there's no more money left uh the you've already agreed to destroy what's called the pre-mine uh and and so that means that library as a token is going to continue. The library blockchain is going to continue as long as there are people willing to be miners for the library blockchain out there and there's there's interest in its its use. 
that will continue. So can you t- kind of talk about, I don't know how much you can say, but you know, whatever you're willing to say about this, what does the future of library look like without the company as just sort of this decentralized open source protocol? That's, uh, that's a good question. I, but I think it's, it, it looks pretty good. There's, you know, there's a, a rich community of people that, that care about the project. You know, there's a, there's a discord, they're hanging out, there's people doing, you know, development work. But, I, you know, one of the real challenges, and it's something that all of crypto is struggling with, although it, it may be worse for us, and it actually ties into the stuff that, that, that you faced, is you know, they've just done such a good job walling off the exchange points for cryptocurrency. Like, mm-hmm. that's really what they've managed to do. They've realized, hey, you know, we can't actually stop people from transacting. We mm-hmm. can't stop people from moving Bitcoin from one account to another. But what we can do is make it nearly impossible to ever move or exchange that Bitcoin or any other cryptocurrency in a way that's not known and tracked by the government. Well, what's the judge today? It's so frustrating because he's like, he's talking to the SEC and he's like, you know, SEC officers, uh, it's like, said it, but I want to ask you, like, who are you protecting by refusing to give this clarity? Who, I really want to urge you to give clarity to secondary market holders. And I want you to consider whether you're following your mandate to protect investors when you're refusing to give clarity on secondary market sales and asking me to only rule on this narrow issue. So he says that to their face. Mm-hmm. He understands exactly and precisely what they are doing and then doesn't. Because the SEC isn't going to do it. The SEC is playing a game. They know what they're doing. They're never, ever going to do it voluntarily. The only way it can come is through a judge. And the judge knows that that's what they're doing, and like, and, but, just, but feels that he is honor-bound mm. to not, uh, you know, to play. So the SEC is not playing by the rules. He knows the SEC is not playing by the rules. And then, but he feels that he has to play by the rules, even though the SEC isn't. <laughs> so we play by the rules. The judge is playing by the rules. The SEC isn't. And he's not, yeah, but that's, that's. And the whole time you've been asking these people, what are the rules? You know, if you just tell us what these stupid rules are, we'll do our best to follow them. But they wouldn't ever tell you what you had to do. Nope, they won't. They still won't. Well, that lady, that lady from the SEC, I don't remember what her name was. She was in an interview and she said she doesn't want to make a roadmap for the legal way to do that because then people will follow that roadmap. You know who I'm right. talking about? They, yes, I know exactly the interview you're talking about. It's the SEC. Officer. They say, well, if we were, if we were, if we were clear about, she's basically saying, if we were clear about the rules, people would be able to follow them. Is basically what she right. said. Yeah. She's like, if we, if we were, if we just gave objective rules, then bad actors would be able to follow them and comply with the law. That's what she said. Yeah, and if people are complying with the the <laughs> law, then they're a lot harder to sue out of existence, which is what this is really all about. They want to destroy library. They want to destroy uh, Ripple. They want to destroy. I know they've been they've gone after other companies who I don't offhand know uh, who they are. You guys certainly aren't the first, and you won't be the last of this train of destruction that they're trying to uh, to wreak against the cryptocurrency industry. Yeah, and you know, look, we kept uh, we most recently we were keeping Russia Today on when Russia Today went off YouTube and everywhere else. That's right. We've kept COVID critical content online throughout. The, the worst censorship era that I've experienced in my life. We kept, um, you know, we keep 3D guns files and all that mm-hmm. stuff online, which is uh, obviously legal, but a lot of people want to pretend it's not. Um, and, you know, so all this stuff that regulators hate, right? If you have a regulator mm-hmm. mindset, you hate that we do that, right? Yeah. And 
I, I don't think it's a coincidence that they're coming after us as hard as they are, given we've done things that, you know, pretty, you know, I, almost every government official, uh, you know, because they're, uh, they're all communists now, uh, think uh, should, shouldn't be allowed. Yeah. Oh, no, it's definitely not. It's definitely not a coincidence. But the good news is that, you know, as we pointed out here, even though they have been able to financially ruin uh, the library corporation, they cannot stop the protocol. They you know, that that signals out there and it, it is it's unstoppable and that I'm sure that really upsets them. But that's you know just the reality of it. I'm curious, have you followed at all um, the process of decentralizing that shapeshift went through the company that was founded by a free stater named uh, Eric Voorhees years ago it became this uh, sort of not decentralized initially but it was this way for people to exchange cryptocurrencies without having an account and then the feds must have threatened him because uh, he then Im- implemented an account system and they had to go through know your customer procedures and all that and then a couple years ago shapeshift announced all right well uh, we're tired of all this you know, being put under pressure by the government. So we're just going to turn this corporation, this centralized corporation, into a decentralized autonomous organization. And I think they were the first company to ever accomplish this, to ever even try and to successfully accomplish this, to where there is no more board of directors, there's no more CEO, there's no more employees, there's just a decentralized autonomous organization in place of what was, you know, an old corporate structure. Have you followed that at all? Yeah, I've, I've followed some of it, although I can't say that I know, like, the fine-grained details of how their DAO works or, or any of that. Um, I mean, I think if anyone can make it work, it's them. Um, I think it's a challenge. A lot of DAOs, I like the idea of DAOs very much. I think a lot of them have struggled. It's difficult, as I guess, I'm going to guess everyone listening to this knows, to get governance right. It remains to be seen exactly how much destruction the SEC is going to wreak against library. We know that the, the corporation is essentially done for. Uh, we know that you guys are going to be forced to burn. How many tokens are, are you guys burning? What's the plan there? Uh, it's, around, it's around 90 million. 90 million. And there's how many yeah. in, in existence totally? Do you know offhand? Uh, a little over 700 million. Okay, so about, a, about you know, what, an eighth of the tokens? Yeah. Roughly? Yeah. And that just basically means that they're going to be sent off to an address that no one has access to. Is that how the burning process works? Uh, I That's a good question. Mm. <laughs> Probably, yeah. yeah. I wonder if there's – because you can't really prove that the address – do you know? Is it, you burn just by sending an address we don't have access to? Yeah, you send it to like a zero address. Uh, you send it, yeah, you send it to like all zeros. Right. Which, so you send it to something that, like, someone couldn't have just... There's uh, no private key that would be associated yeah, with Yeah, it'd be very unlikely someone has, has someone else successfully okay. generated that. Yeah. All right. Well, we're definitely going to keep our eyes on this as it develops. As, you, you know, we pointed out earlier, this thing isn't over yet. There's more discovery that you guys have to jump through. It could take, uh, you know, lo- what looks like two, three more months before you finally maybe get a final ruling on exactly how brutalized... Uh, the court library corporation and possibly odyssey is going to be but hopefully odyssey will be left out of this uh, at least for the moment and as you pointed out sec is threatening to come again or you know come at odyssey perhaps so this is certainly may not be over as much as we all uh really want it to be because nothing is more exhausting and and time consuming than dealing with this crap i mean I, I think you know this as well as anyone else that has experienced this jeremy it's really hard uh to get anything new done as far as a business is concerned, when there's a huge axe hanging over your head, right? Yeah, like you can't develop anything of any significance because it could all just be snatched away from you. 
It, yeah, it is. It's an incredible uh, challenge. Uh, I mean, I have, and I have immense respect for you for dealing with, with something, you know, even harder. And it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very optimistic, you know, living in New Hampshire for the, for the future of Liberty in terms of what we're accomplishing here. Uh, in terms of crypto, you know, I, I'm not, I haven't turned pessimistic, but it certainly hasn't turned out like I thought that mm-hmm. it would or, or could, or even still could. Mm-hmm. I mean, because all of the potential is still there to have peer-to-peer cash and to have all these promises of the ability to, uh, you know, escape these status quo systems that are just so broken. But it feels like, I mean, as another um, example, like you know, look at um, Porkfest, right? Where your Porkfest people, everyone was using Bitcoin, <laughs> you know, when Bitcoin is worth like a hundred bucks or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And now uh, it feels like people are using crypto less than ever before. And if anything, like goldbacks, and I love goldbacks, but yeah. goldbacks are eating away at cryptocurrency usage. And it's like, it's That's crazy sad. because it's like, how, how did we say Like, how, how did we not do this? How were we unable to make this work? It was a mixture of the fear, like with the library and the uh, crypto six case going on and everybody know about, knew about it in New Hampshire. And the fact that last uh, pork fest cryptocurrency was way down and people were like, Oh, I'm not spending right now. Mm, yeah, that is true. But, but that said, I mean, Jeremy is pointing out that over the history of the porcupine freedom festival, cryptocurrency was widely used, widely accepted, whether up or down, just simply because it, uh, as a festival attracted the kind of person who was willing to use it. Right. Um, was it your experience? Cause Jeremy, I was only able to, to go for one day at uh, a pork fest due to my bail restrictions, but was it your experience that fewer vendors were willing to accept it or just that fewer, people were willing to spend it or both that's a good question i'm difficult i'm not certain whether mm-hmm. it's a supplier demand problem but i just my my feeling and this is just a feeling so maybe someone else would be like you're wrong jeremy but my feeling was that it was it was down from previous years I've heard other people say the same thing. Mm -hmm. Well, it's definitely true around here. I mean, we have uh, cryptocurrency meetups in the Keene area still. And, of course, I'm prohibited from using it. Um, But I still go to the meetups just to, you know, talk to people or whatever. And there's just not many people coming out and spending crypto. We do have David on the line in Georgia. Go ahead, David. So, uh, great, great show so far, you guys. Thanks. Last Last hour was a little bit demoralizing. So yeah. I just wanted to call in and say to everybody that we will we will make this. Um, the the government can't last forever. Crypto will win. It's just going to take time, and unfortunately, some people, some really good people, are going to go down because of it. And I and I and I know it's an unfortunate thing, but we will win in in the end because no empire lasts forever. Yeah, I tend to have that uh, optimistic view as well. Um, and yes, it is it is true that in the fall of any empire, some people are going to get hurt. And I wish it didn't have to be that way, but that's just the reality of the world that we live in. You know, like these people are violent, dangerous psychopaths who have no problem destroying human life if it stands in their way. And obviously of, prosperity too, like yeah. destroying 8 million of the library's tokens because... Because no, I think it was ninety million. Oh, ninety million. Eight percent. Eight percent of the, oh, th- the total. That's what it was. Ninety yeah. million of library tokens, just destroying them. These things that could, you know, become prosperity. Basically, it, I mean, they're they're not even hiding that they're not working for you and they're working against you anymore. Clearly. Well, David, I, I'm glad you called in with this, and I'd like to keep you on the line actually because basically it's a 
a similar thing to what I wanted to ask Jeremy, but it just felt like there was no time and uh, nowhere to fit it in. I, I just wanted I could to have say, asked him to stay, but you know he'd already been with us for the whole hour, so I figured we should let him go. He's busy. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to say, like, what is the solution to this? Like, to the government attacking the government crypto? attacking cryptocurrency? Because I can't just say, oh, I'm just going to give up on cryptocurrency. It's just going to. Uh, that's not the you know thing. And I don't think Jeremy was saying this either, but I'm I'm just saying I. Some people might look at these situations, the Crypto 6, the library case, and say, we just have to give up on cryptocurrency. It's just never going to work. Outside of just moving outside the country, since like some countries aren't going after it as hard as Mm -hmm. the United States, what is the solution? Because to me, I can't give up on cryptocurrency because it's basically the only answer. If cryptocurrency just, you know, ceased to exist tomorrow because of the U.S. government or whatever, I I feel like there'd be no chance. Personally? I think that the solution is to use cryptocurrency because the the problem is using their money. Um, you the money is what controls people. If they print it and people believe in it, then they control us. If we stop using it and we don't accept it, then they can no longer control us because we have something that's outside of their control. And I think that's the solution. The other topic I wanted to call in about is just a book recommendation that kind of goes along these lines. Okay. It's a book it's a book called Thieves Emporium and that's Thieves Emporium by Max Hernandez and it was written in 2014 or 2015 and I actually discovered it because I was you know interested in bitcoin even back then and it discusses um this young mother who is actually going into these kinds of things using the what their equivalent of tour and using gold as currency and it talks about the fed and uh inflation and quantitative easing and it was just a really really good book i i feel like it fits really well into uh what we were discussing even tonight and the ideas of liberty in general thieves as in like somebody who steals um the the book goes into the young mother, and she basically uh, is a sex worker, and she's trying to get away from the guy who's controlling her, and this person gives her this card and gives her an address to go to, and she becomes a kind of underground person fighting against the government. I think you were asking what the name of the, the oh, title yeah, was, right? Just the title? It sounds really interesting. I, I just didn't really oh. understand the first word in, in the title. Uh, thieves, like uh, like a person who steals from you. Thieves Emporium. How are there not a hundred people that realize Don Bolduc attacked Joa, and he doesn't need to go to jail because Don Bolduc is a higher class citizen than him, and we need to show up at his uh, trial and just be there looking at the judge in the face. Say, just just simple things like that. It's not like you have to go and create a new library. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Uh, I, I definitely would like to see more people turning out for court to support people like Joa. And I think you're giving an example of uh, it's a case that's going on right now. Joa's our co-host. He, he's on sometimes on Thursdays with us, and he's a First Amendment auditor. The, uh, the the good news is the First Amendment auditor community does have its own set of fans. Some of those guys are probably going to come out to the trial. But so far, Joa hasn't actually had the trial yet. Um, there was a hearing that we tried to go to a few weeks ago. Bonnie to record video of it. It was going to be like a pretrial conference that ended up getting canceled the day of. Yep. Um, and usually pretrial conferences are just kind of like pretty dull. I could understand why someone wouldn't 
make them, you know, uh, take their time out of their schedule, get a day off from work or whatever to go to that one. So hopefully you are going to see more people come out to the trial on that one. But uh, but yeah, I agree with you. That's like if we have like 3000 people here supposedly in New Hampshire, why can't we get like 100? I bet I bet we won't. No, I suspect, well, first of all, the courtroom wouldn't even fit 100 people, but yeah, I suspect that courtroom will not be full. People standing out in the hallway, the bailiffs going like, oh, I don't know about this. Like, these people are scaring me. Things like that need to be going on. A bully in in high school or middle school or whatever, taking somebody's lunch money every day isn't just going to stop because the person getting bullied is like mitigating the damage. Like, oh, he took my money, but I had a few cents in my pocket he didn't find out about. Yeah, he beat me up and he took $2, but I had some cents in my back pocket. Mm-hmm. I mitigated the damage. The, a bully's going to stop when a bunch of people surround him and say like, what are you doing? Yeah. Get away from him. We're not going to put up with this. I agree. I agree. People um, you know, definitely need to get more active, and that's why we need to have thousands more people here. I mean, the reality is uh, the 80-20 rule or maybe even the 90-10 rule is always in effect in any given group, even in a group of people who are dedicated enough to pick up their lives and move somewhere, which that alone is like a percentage of a percentage, right? Like there's supposedly some number of percent of the population of the United States is libertarian, right? I don't know what that number is. I've heard it as high as two to 16%. Um, but, you know, let's let's just give it, you know, 2%. 2% of the U.S. population is supposedly libertarian, like actual libertarian, People that would maybe describe themselves as libertarian, or at the very least, they would score libertarian on something like the the world's smallest political quiz. In that case, it'd probably be much higher than than two percent. But uh, so if it's three hundred thirty million people, that's what six six million roughly uh, potential libertarians. So only a very small portion of those those numbers are even willing to move somewhere for their beliefs. And so it's it's a fraction of probably one percent of you know, less than one percent of those six million people are are going to be willing to move. And then of the group of people that actually is willing to pick up their lives and move, only so many of them are going to be effective activists. Only a, a, a small number of them are going to be the best, you know, the top tier. I, I just don't like that defeatist attitude. Like, oh, some of them just won't be activists. Just start shaming them for being. What blood suckers? I don't think shaming works. I, I think that that's probably the wrong way to go. Well, about you do it. it all the time. Whenever people are like, "I'll move to New Hampshire when you guys secede," you point out that's a bad way of looking at it. Waiting for us to do all the work and then you move here when we secede—that's the same thing that the activists who are already here are doing. Who I mean, activists, the libertarians who are already here are doing who aren't activists. Hmm. Oh, I'm just gonna sit around, go to my job every day, raise my kids, I homeschool my kids, so I feel like I'm doing something, but I'm not gonna show up to court and literally say nothing. Nobody knows who I even am, and just be there supporting mm-hmm. someone because oh, that would put my foot in the fire, and that's so scary. People need to get over their fear. I don't generally disagree with your frustration, Bonnie. I mean, I've been here for a long time. I've seen the number of people that have attended trials uh, fall off the radar ever since. Uh, ever since Ademo and Pete were here from Cop Block, Ademo had a full courtroom full of people in Manchester at his last trial for "quote unquote" wiretapping, which sadly the jury convicted him of. Uh, but uh, you know, we had like fifty plus, maybe even sixty people in that courtroom, and it was amazing because it actually changed the whole like feeling or the tenor or whatever of that courtroom. Because normally, like in a court, everybody's always really quiet. It's like this church-like atmosphere, mm. and you can't speak because the pastor's going to get mad at you. And, and, or yeah, whatever. I was going to say it's fear. It's a it's a 
environment of fear where everybody is afraid of what the scary guy in, in the front's going to do to them. Yeah, and that was completely different under the Adamo trial. People were laughing. They were talking out loud. There was actually applause at multiple, if I recall, multiple points during the trial. I, I'd never, never in my history had experienced a level of just openness and f- like a fun atmosphere almost from the people in the in the, the benches or the pews or whatever, uh, the audience area at the trial. I have not seen that since. Uh, Jeremy's thing that happened a week or so ago was actually the biggest turnout I've seen in a court since the Adamo thing. I was really happy to see Almost the whole courtroom got filled there. There was 40-plus yeah. people. There were some kids that were filling up some seats, but you know, they count, I guess. I wish and- that, it, like, um, I couldn't go to the other hearings because I either didn't live here yet or I went to Frank's hearing instead of the library hearing yeah. for the one I did live here for. But I, I wish I could have gone, and I wish more people would have went to those ones because I feel like they mattered more. Like, mm-hmm. this one was just, how this is basically effed is he going to be? Yeah. Like. I mean, it doesn't really do anything to show the judge, like, look how many people support him at that point. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Not that it doesn't do anything. I don't think it would have mattered. Bad Slave is on the line in New Hampshire. Go ahead, Bad Slave. Howdy. Uh, You know, you guys were just talking about what happened with Melanie and and how, uh, you know, fear being generated uh, is... uh, is a huge part of the problem. I and and the 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 idea that uh, governments that are there to protect rights, which is a huge joke. I, you know, I'm not ever right. going to even challenge that. But but the point is is that one of the tools that that these authorities depend on. And they don't, we don't have to let them. Fear, and right? The, 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 they lie. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and if you're going to be a liar, operating within the realm of, of uh, authoritative uh, arrangements with government, then though that's a crime in my, my mind. And if that crime, is and and I think it rises to the level of 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 a felony because people are harmed. People are harmed, and sure. and the fact is that they uh, they they not only need to be put in sanction and in, in you know jails and whatever they need to be put on the lorry list. As well, the Lori list is a New Hampshire-based list of bad-behaving cops, basically cops that are problematic, that had previously been very uh, secretive, but they were forced by a, a Supreme Court decision in New Hampshire to reveal that Lori list within the last couple of years. They're still fighting over it, but uh, but most of the list has uh, has been revealed, as I understand it. Well, before the government, uh, you know, showed up in people's countries, you know. I'm not saying that there was like one time period that happened, but, you know, before people got convinced that governments, you know, have a right to exist and are there to protect them, humans just knew that there was one law and that's do no harm. So these people calling themselves governments, these tyrants and parasites uh, are doing 
the only crimes, basically, that aren't just people out there, random people hurting each other, you know? It's organized crime. It's organized crime, and it's yeah. like the main crime that goes on every day. I think that people would do a lot less hurting and killing each other if there wasn't government out there already hurting them to where they were in, you know, pathetic, impoverished, uh, impoverished yeah. positions and couldn't get ahead because I don't have all these taxes to pay to start a new business, so I'm just getting a drug deal. Oh, and drug dealing is really dangerous because... It's illegal, so mm-hmm. I'm going to have to kill this guy because he's trying to rob me while I'm drug dealing yeah. or whatever. You know, I, I really think that the government... Um, it creates crime. They are sure. criminals, sure. and they create crime. Bad Slave, any other comments? Go ahead. Well, I, I just want to say that I think that, that the, the political capital exists in the general court in New Hampshire right now to to get uh, a a ranging uh you know repudiation of of this you know awful 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 accepted practice which is it's so easy to create fear if you're just going to lie through your teeth and 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 you know fraud is harm. I'm sorry. It's, oh, it's, I see. You're saying that, like the like in Melanie example, they lied to her that they were going to come after her, that they had bank fraud uh, allegations to come after her mm-hmm. for, and therefore people were harmed because she, you yeah. know, it generated yeah. fear. And most and mm-hmm. most charges that they come up with, you know, like in the Crypto Six or whatever is going on with uh, uh, the SEC. You know the the Fed, they they're all you know engaged in in uh, you know at some level of fraud and and sure. and you know, we have to squash that. It's a proven fact that the Free State Project is a working. It's not just an experiment; it's a proven working system of encouraging like-minded, liberty-oriented people to migrate to the same geographic area. And we still see on Twitter every day and social media where people are saying, I'm coming. I got to get my S straight. I got to get my business sold. I got to get my, you know, my mom's dying or whatever. Right? There's different things that people have to kind of square away in their lives before they can make the make a move somewhere. It's not easy, right? Especially the if you've got a large family or a business or something like that. It takes time. But there's people who are saying they're coming. And uh, 2021 was the largest year so far. They have not released the numbers for 2022 yet, by the way, for the Free State Project. 2021 was the largest year for movers for the Free State Project uh, to New Hampshire. And so, you know, I... I'm not as critical as Bonnie on, you know, what they're doing because I don't honestly know what they're all doing. Some of them probably doing more than than we realize. And some people focus on different areas that we think is important. They might not think they're as important, but uh, I think we need all types. I think we need all levels of, of interaction. Not everyone can can be a super activist. Uh, not everyone can. You You're know, the only super activist. And if true. you go to jail, then the Free State Project is over. That is not true. Uh, there's there's plenty of super activists out there, but uh, unfortunately, Dave Ridley is currently stuck in Colorado due to family health issues. Yeah, he would be probably the first on my list of of other super activists here. Yeah, in New I Hampshire. wasn't thinking about Dave Ridley. 
but there are many, and uh, and the more the more the people. Uh, Zephan would be another good example of a of a super activist as well. And you know he's got a different focus, right? Like he's training to be a lawyer, and he's doing bill readings for the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance. He's done, I believe, over three hundred of them so far this year. He's again the number one bill reviewer. Uh, and and you know how hard it is to do those bill reviews, Bonnie. You've been doing a handful of them yourself. I've and, done five. Yeah, I mean he's up to three. No one gets even close to Zephan. Like there's there's a number two, but that number two is a in distant, like the hundreds. He's yeah. done like three hundred twenty something. 270 of them have been published. Yeah. And the next person has like 100 something. Yeah. I mean, that's good. That's also really good. I'm past it's... like the middle of the leaderboard now just with five. That's that's not bad. So um, all of mine have been published. But it's important work, you know, that and it's boring work, but it's but it's important work. And some people it's really just time consuming. It. Like yeah. when I do one, it takes all uh, the whole night, like the whole time I've set aside to do it. Yeah. Like an hour at least per per bill. It seems because like. you want to do a good job. Like you want to make sure you're reading what it really says. And it's all convoluted. Compl- yeah, they're complex. So anyway, I just think we need more people in general. And I, and, I, and that's happening. Right. Like it's just it's slow going because you have to recruit people to to come to a, a place and change their whole lives around. So, and then some people got to, you know, they got to get in and they got to get their job and they got to you know, get the bills paid before they feel like they can come out to things. And I'm not going to indict somebody uh, for for taking their time with doing activism or whatever it is they're doing. But anyway, um, so what else can we do? I think that's it. I think seceding from the United States is the only solution as far as the cryptocurrency world is concerned because they aren't going to stop. They're going to continue doing the attacks against people in the world of cryptocurrency and they're going to have success in trying to paint cryptocurrency as this dangerous wild west it's risky you don't want to get involved in risky things and you know trying to make it look like it's full of scam artists like sbf you know the guy from the ftx exchange and see you don't want to be doing these things they're dangerous americans and you know that Um, really reminds me of a conversation i was having with a friend recently is just Basically, there was somebody on Twitter that some Democrat lady from New Hampshire that posted a picture of LPNH. It was a screenshot of something they had said. And I'll tell you what that said in a second. But the Democrat lady posted it and said, like, I don't normally compare people to the Nazis, but the free staters are becoming like the Nazis. And it, it's a big deal. And all LPNH said, I'm not going to get the exact quote off. Sounds my like head. projecting to me. Right. All LPNH said, and I'm not going to get, LPNH is the Libertarian Party of New Thank Hampshire. Thank you, yeah. Um, I'm not going to get the exact quote off the top of my head, but it was something like, we want to push out all of the violent people, like socialists, mm-hmm. who live in New Hampshire by becoming the most free state, basically. Right. And I pointed out to her, you can't point to anything violent being being said in that screenshot. Like, right. there's nothing violent to be pointed to. And a friend of mine messaged me and said i think this is a important learning opportunity because while everybody me included that commented that was logically correct the democrat lady and all her friends they don't think logically mm. they only emotional. think emotionally mm-hmm. and i'm not, i don't think my I, my answer to that isn't to you know twist my ways into only being emotional with her but you know it is a technique called i can't remember what it's called right now where people learn how to persuade people via you know not just always being the way that you think all the time talking to them in a way that you know will complement the way that they think Mm -hmm. so an appeal to emotion right like Mm -hmm. appeal to the emotion in that 
yeah. case. Now, what what were we talking about that reminded me of that? You said something about emotions. Hmm. I but, don't know, but you're right. People do need to be emotionally on board with the things that we're talking about. Logic is great, but it's really only going to convince a very small per- portion of the population. Most people are like what you're talking about. They they think based on emotion. They feel things, and so they need to be able to feel that the government is a danger to them. The government is harmful to uh, peaceful people. And luckily, the all we have to do is really just point it out because the government just keeps on giving us example after example of their tyranny and their violence uh, against people. And it's becoming more, I think, more and more prevalent. It's been interesting watching the international response to El Salvador, specifically uh, other countries and the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, has been lashing out. They've been lashing out at El Salvador for some time. And according to RT.com, which is Russia Today, the story came out just a couple of weeks ago, uh, the head of El Salvador, the president there, Nayib Bukele, has slammed international media for claims that the country is on a brink of default on their bond payments. He said that, uh, according to the story here, El Salvador has successfully made the $800 million government bond payment that was due in January, according to Nayib Bukele, the president, in a Twitter post. Tuesday's transaction followed an earlier payment and included a $604 million bond payment and $23.4 million in interest, according to Bekele's press office. Quote, uh, he said, we just paid in full $800 million plus interest, but of course, almost nobody is covering the story. They lie and lie and lie, and when their lies are exposed, they go on silence mode. For some reason, said. no one's co- talking about this. No one's covering the story. It's like a, I think it's just a buzz term at this point like Mm -hmm. people will start to be way more interested in it if you type blah 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 is happening in india and no No one is talking about it and then everybody starts talking about it but they keep saying that but anyways well by definition if someone's talking about it then no one isn't talking about it but but his point is and he makes it pretty strongly i actually have his twitter thread pulled up here he says that when uh, prior to them making this payment the mainstream media all around the planet was going off about how they'll never make the payment he said that they all said without striking a deal with yeah the, i remember that with the imf that we're going to be able to we're going to be unable to pay our 2023 bond because of our quote-unquote bitcoin losses and then he cites article after article after article washington post new york times uh you know international coverage where they said the same Thing. Full page spreads, he says, on the New York Times and all, creating the narrative that El Salvador is broke and is going to default. He says, I called them out at the time, but of course, who was going to believe us and not every international news outlet and their so-called economic geniuses? Hmm. He says, well, we just paid in full $800 million plus interest, but of course, almost no one is covering the story. I just found one, yes, one in Spanish from Colombia, and then he links to that. Hmm. He says, they lie and lie and lie. And uh, when then they're exposed, they go on silence mode. So he did pay, you know, they, the government there did pay this. Now, this guy's a thug, too. Okay, I think it's important to point that out. I am not some sort of Bukele fan. I don't think he's a good guy. He is a politician. Monster. He's a politician. Yeah, and he's a monster in his own way, right? Like, he's oppressing the people of El Salvador in his own way. We don't talk a lot about what happens down there, but every now and then we've done a story about it. 
And, you know, he's not a f- in favor of free speech or anything like that, right? Like He's he, in favor of killing all drug dealers or putting them in his horrible prisons. Yeah, he just rounds people up from the streets and just throws them into overcrowded uh, El Salvadoran prisons. I mean, it's it's terrifying. So, like, this guy isn't a good guy, but he is on the right side, at the very least, of the Bitcoin question. And he's speaking out against the International Monetary Fund, and he's going against the international grain to some extent. And to that extent, I appreciate the things that he says on this particular issue. El Salvador has become this interesting experiment where the government there, they don't have a central bank. They're not like the United States or Canada or China or Japan or all these countries that have central banks. They don't have it. And so that puts them in a unique position. I mean, I shouldn't say they're unique. There's a There are several, if not dozens of countries on the planet that also, I think, don't have... I don't know what the number of them is, but there's more than one uh, country on the planet that does not have a central bank. They use the dollar. Uh, it's just because it's there and it's convenient and it's, amongst the world currencies, the least volatile for now. That may change in the uh, you know the near future. If they print a trillion dollar coin. Well, I mean, that definitely could affect things. Mint. Uh, but... So El Salvador doesn't have that problem with a central bank. And so they have the freedom to be able to just say, well, we're just going to start uh, doing Bitcoin as a, as a uh, legal tender. And that's what they did. And they've been criticized for it. They've been downgraded. Their sovereign debt rating is now CC level, which stands for a very high level of default risk. Is, in- is that like a rating that tells other countries? Yeah. As I understand it, they're called the Fitch Ratings. They downgraded El Salvador. The IMF has been threatening El Salvador, been demanding uh, that they reverse course. International Monetary Fund. Yep, thank you. Uh, They've been demanding they reverse course on this Bitcoin thing. Uh, According to RT.com, El Salvador's government has been brushing off the warnings, however, and actively buying Bitcoin despite the drop in crypto prices following last year's bankruptcies and collapses in the sector. And what we saw was that after they bought a bunch of Bitcoin, of course, price happened to go down, like by, you know, 50%. So a bunch of people were looking at El Salvador and saying, oh, you guys screwed this one up. Boy, you, you've lost hundreds of millions of your taxpayer dollars on this. And and that is the downside of this, right? Like this isn't Nayib Bukele's money that he's playing with. He's taking taxpayer money and he's buying Bitcoin with it. Ultimately, I think it's going to prove to be a good move, but it's still coercive. He's still stealing from the people of El Salvador, many of whom don't agree with Bitcoin or aren't interested in Bitcoin and don't want to have their money uh, put into that. But he did it. And they bought, I don't know how many hundreds, if not thousands. Even if they do understand Bitcoin, it's not like he's buying it for them. Correct. Yeah, they're not going to necessarily benefit from it. Uh, but interestingly, earlier this month, the uh, rather last month, the nation's legislative assembly approved a law that regulates the issuance of digital assets, which will give El Salvador the ability to issue government-backed Bitcoin bonds. Now, do you know what a bond is? We talked about it on the show with Aria like a year ago. Yeah, they're, uh, it's, it's some a, weird thing. It's like a financial instrument that's not quite... I don't know if they would call it a security, but it is uh, a way to fund government kind of on a voluntary basis. So when a government offers a bond, like the local government can do this. The uh, city of Keene can say, well, 
we aren't willing to tax the people for building this new school. But if you think it's a good idea, then you can buy this bond and that will raise the money. And then we pay you back on the, the bond later on. And I don't know if they pay interest. I suspect they do. That's probably how they get people interested. I think they do. And when, when we looked into it, it was like so little. It was laughable for the yeah. United States Treasury bonds. Right. So those are the federal level ones. Yeah. Uh, but there's also other governments can do bonding as well. And so El Salvador is now going to be offering Bitcoin bonds, meaning that you can buy El Salvador sovereign debt. Uh, you can buy bonds through El Salvador, and including if you're not an El Salvadoran. You can just do this. You know, anybody that's got Bitcoin. Once these bonds are available, we'll be able to spend them with El Salvador. And so the idea is that El Salvador is going to make this Bitcoin city thing. And this is something they've been talking about. Now, when it's going to happen, whether it happens, still remains to be seen. But the plan is they're going to tie it into like a volcano. And the volcano is going to be used, like the energy from the volcano is going to be used to do Bitcoin mining somehow. And And are people going to live right by the volcano? Probably. Is it like an active volcano? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know all the details here. Uh, but, you know, obviously some people are willing to do that. So that's the plan is to... Wait, the, the volcano is going to mine cryptocurrency? Somehow the energy from the, like the thermal energy hmm. from the volcano is going to be converted into Bitcoin mining. I don't know how they're going to do that, but I bet you that scientist types can, can figure that out. Yeah, it's actually pretty cool. It's an interesting idea, and so people that want to back this idea can do that by buying these Bitcoin bonds with El Salvador. That money will be used, supposedly, to create this Bitcoin city and set up these Bitcoin miners. And then eventually, if this thing is a success, and that's an if, if it's a success, then they'll be able to pay back your bond with interest, and you'll make Bitcoin on it. You know, the downside is you're funding a violent government, which is imprisoning its own people. But the upside and is, theft. yeah, but the upside is it is something different. It is a government trying something different. And so, you know, to that end, I do think it's one worth watching. It's one worth paying attention to, uh, to see how this It's goes. interesting and all, but at the same time, I just don't like the idea of uh, governments getting involved in cryptocurrency for themselves. I don't either, but I guess if I had to choose, I'd rather see a government getting involved in cryptocurrency than trying to prohibit it. Right. That's So, I mean, they're less offensive as far as what their official policies are, at least on that issue. They're certainly offensive when it comes to locking people up without a trial and all the Not other... Not feeding them in prison? Yeah, I mean, it's... He uh... said, he was like, people are going to start missing... Uh, I don't care if people miss meals or something like that. That doesn't surprise me. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.